They do not want to ride any more roller coasters. So. <laughs> I can't imagine why they wouldn't want to. The good news for the DeClark family, you're saving a lot of money not going to Disney World. <laughs> Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. In for Vince Petrano, here's Eric Bilstad. Vince returns on Monday. So one of the stories you may have missed over the holiday weekend, a cocaine-like substance, Coke, found at the White House. What's the deal with this? Getting more detail is ABC's Karen Travers live from Washington, D.C. Karen, what do we know? Yeah, this was a very unusual incident. Uh, The Secret Service is investigating how the substance entered the White House, and it's been sent to one of their Secret Service labs for further testing. The substance, which was described as powdery and cocaine-like on the radio traffic from D.C. Fire and EMS that night, uh, it was found Sunday evening in the West Wing by Secret Service officers. The D.C. Fire Department was brought in to evaluate, and they quickly determined that the substance was non-hazardous. The president was not there at the time when the substance was discovered. He was at Camp David with family, but it was taken very seriously. There was a partial evacuation of the West Wing area where the substance was found and also a nearby area where White House reporters work. So far, we've asked a lot of questions. The White House is not commenting on the incident. They've referred all questions to the Secret Service. Well, Karen, too, and this is a place where the the, the public can go as well. Could you, you know, for people who are in Wisconsin who maybe haven't been Mm -hmm. to D.C., can you kind of describe a little bit of what the tour is like and where this actually is? Yeah, so I will say with the caveat that we do not know or we can't tell you the specific location. The Secret Service has not said that, just saying that it was in the West Wing. And I think to set the scene for you, when when you see pictures on TV of the White House, you know, with the big columns in the front and back and the fountains outside, that's the executive residence, the executive mansion. That's where the president and the family live in the White House. It's where the East Room is, the state dining room, the big house that you think of. The the West Wing area is separate from that. It's connected, but separate. And that's where this was discovered. But the West Wing area is where the cabinet room, the Oval Office, uh, the Roosevelt room, the situation room, the press room, the press briefing room where we work out of, that's all connected and part of the West Wing. So again, no specific detail on where this was found, just that the Secret Service is saying the West Wing. But I think you mentioned visitors are able to tour parts of the West Wing outside of business hours. So it's not uncommon to see people. We see it all the time. You know, after the end of the workday, tour groups might come through with White House staffers who are able to bring people in with their badges. On the weekends, you see people bringing by uh, the briefing room or other parts of the West Wing. So it's not a exclusive area. It's a relatively highly trafficked area after hours, and it was a holiday weekend. Not surprising if people were around. ABC's Karen Travers in Washington, D.C. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. 714 Sports in one minute. So why was that Cubs manager so upset after that game yesterday? Sports is brought to you by Wisconsin Harley-Davidson and Oconomowoc, your destination dealer. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. They rallied, but it just wasn't enough for the Milwaukee Brewers who fell in the 11th inning to the Chicago Cubs. Now, 
Some aggressive base running got them out in the 10th inning. Then the 11th down by one. They had a man on third. They tried to get that sack fly home. The 0-1 to Rang. Fly ball, left field. Coming in is Hap underneath of it. Makes the catch. Terang's going to try to tag. Here's the throw to the plate. Terang is out. Miller tried to hustle down the line, and he couldn't get there in time. And they tag him out. It's a double play for the Cubs. And this game is over. Heck of a throw by the left fielder, Ian Happ of the Cubs. Craig Council afterward. He, he's got to, everything's got to go right. He made a good play on the, just the catch. It, bounced, it kicked up on him a little bit. He made a good play on the catch and um, made a heck of a throw. And Brewers try to get the W tonight. It's Adrian Hauser on the mound against the Cubs' Justin Steele. Now, after the game, David Ross, the manager of the Cubs, all worked up. If you were watching the game, he got thrown out late. Uh, the first base coach got thrown out. They're arguing balls and strikes in the extra innings, and Ross was asked about it. But during his rant about balls and strikes, he also brought up the roof. I know it's not an easy job, but there's there's just there, there's some of the, the pitches that got called today just weren't even close. And so um, it's got to be better. You know, they're closing the roof to get rid of the shadows late. There's a lot of bullshit went on today that just was really frustrating. <laughs> what? They, they closing the roof to get rid of the shadows. He accuses the uh, the stadium ops team of helping the team on the field by eliminating shadows. It makes it easier for the batters. I thought it was horse shit. I don't know. <laughs> now there was rain. There was a cell that rolled through that was just south of that. Like I mean, it was a pretty strong cell. Yeah, on the south side, we heard thunder. Yeah, there was some dark clouds, too, a, a little County. teeny bit of rain, but I think the thunder is probably the number one concern for the team. So, what does Ross think of that? The storms? I thought it was horse shit. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, moving on now to hot dog eating. Fifteen thousand generations of humanity, yet we have evolved not at all. Bound like animals to the laws of the intro has just begun for Joey Jaws Chestnut. And in all of history, only one man still going. Has stood to say. Still going. Joey Jaws Chestnut uh, wins the hot dog eating contest, the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. It's every 4th of July, but rain caused some issues and delays. Right before the men were set to take the stage, the skies opened up, sending fans and contestants scrambling. It was almost too much for perennial winner Joey Chestnut to take. What a ro- roller coaster emotionally. They told us it was canceled. We weren't sure if we were going to eat today. But eat they did. When the rain cleared, the contestants were announced, and then the contest. Chestnut down 62 dogs in buns to win his 16th mustard belt. I got leftover room, so I'll be having some beers later. For those of you who thought this would be the year he retires, he says he'll be back. Sherry Preston, ABC News, New York. So nowhere near the record. His record is 76, so he says next year he'll go for it. Well, intro still going on. Simultaneous and endless, erasing cause and effect. The intro is 95 seconds long. Oh, real question though: Is this guy a great one of the great orators of our time? <laughs> he's, he's still going. To tell his story. And they say he shall live forever. And it was kind of awkward, like just seeing him, Joey Chestnut, walk, like just strutting around and stretching his mouth and like flexing, and just the whole thing was really awkward. It reminds you of a boxing match, doesn't it? Like it is very, like prize fightery. Yeah. This whole thing, dude. You're eating hot dogs. All right. Traffic and weather next. And hey, mom, can we go sit on the upside down for four hours at the county fair? That story in a minute. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but I don't care what I say. Because as the world turns, y'all boys.
she go right here, don't play. Uh-huh. That boy's from the bottom, bottom on the map. It's the stuff nightmares are made of. And sometimes you feel like you're upside down if you have too much fireball. Forest County Festival near Crandon in northern Wisconsin on Sunday. It's a big old festival, lots of different rides, state fair type rides, if you will. Eight passengers, including seven children, took on the fireball. It's a roller coaster that goes upside down, almost like a loop-de-loop, right? Yeah. So there's a mechanical air. The machine stopped. The roller coaster then stuck in the top of the loop, upside down. Eight people dangling upside down because of a mechanical issue on the fireball. And they sat there, and they sat there, and they sat there. There's an old guy in the in the first one. Hopefully he's doing okay. That's Scott Brass. He was videotaping this whole thing. There's, there, there was nothing to do. Like, they were up there for at least 20 minutes before even the phone call was made that there was a problem. All of a sudden, uh, the ambulances are showing up. The fire department's showing up. Scott Brass there, again, talking to ABC. So what they had to do is essentially figure out how to get them all out using like cherry pickers. So these long, you know, fire truck ladders or whatnot. The thing is that they had to make sure everyone was already harnessed and in place because all of them open at the same time. If you've ever been on a roller coaster, right? You go in there and they all go boom. Yeah, they all go down the lever. Yeah. So they were worried about that. Each of the patients had to be harnessed, um, you know, as well as the guys that were on the bucket on the platform, you know, were harnessed in with safety equipment as well. So it took three hours to rescue everybody. Three hours. And to make matters worse, the uh, roller coaster guy played the fireball song the whole time. <laughs> that did not happen. That did not happen. But that's a long time, especially for a kid. It's really hard to hear your kid yell your name and you can't help them. You know, they're only 11 and 8, so it's pretty scary for them. I can imagine. That's uh, Katie DeClark's daughter. She says she was on board that. So they were able to finally get him down. What's amazing is, like, think about this, like how difficult something like this would be in an area where you have all of these first responders and you have a, a, a more congested population. This is up in the boonies there in Crandon. I mean, it took a long time just to get enough fire trucks there. Um, but I was very impressed with just the authority's ability to handle the situation. We put countless hours of training and time and effort. And, um, you know, our job is to save, save people. So, um, you know, just count on us. We're going to be there for you. We're going to make sure that you get out safe. So, a remarkable situation. I just can't imagine uh, that fireball roller coaster being used again anytime soon. No, absolutely not. You know, the other thing is, too, Eric, is is you're not only hanging upside down, but you're hanging upside down in a State Fair-esque <laughs> roller coaster type contraption. Oh, yeah. So the padding, as we know, it's not always yeah, most comfortable great. on yeah, those things. Right. Sure, of course. Yeah, I'm sure it felt great for him. Here's my favorite line from Lionel Moise talking about area it. ...to respond. After nearly three hours, all passengers made it down safely. But for Katie to Clark's daughters, that may be the last roller coaster ride they take. They do not want to ride any more roller coasters. So. <laughs> I can't imagine why they wouldn't want to. The good news for the DeClark family, you're saving a lot of money not going to Disney World. <laughs> I'm a fireball. Did the fireworks keep you up last night? What's the rule on 
July 4th being on a Tuesday fireworks celebration. I don't think it's hard and fast, to be honest with you. I think it's just kind of an unwritten courtesy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so... Excuse me. So it, you know, it ties to a weekend. So the first, I mean, we had celebrations and fireworks going off all this past weekend, and now July Fourth was yesterday. So we had the July Fourth fireworks last night, which you love, Debbie. Well into the night. So now what? Like, are we done now, or can we accept them again tonight, or are we are we past? Are we yay or nay on the fireworks all week? I think we're pa- I, I think we're past. My humble suggestion: please be past. <laughs> I'll give you a week. I'll give you a, I'll give you a weekend to weekend. And then after that, maybe it's time to settle down on the amateur fireworks. Inclusive? Weekend to weekend inclusively? Or can we expect Friday night to be like, hey, we're over it? <laughs> I guess I was thinking that it would be into the weekend. Well, so, I mean, I had the air on last night. So, admittedly, I really didn't hear it last night. It didn't wake me up. Um, I didn't, I, so, I may not have even had any midnight fireworking by me usually there's a couple that that go off late but i got reports in my household of some going off at midnight midnight really i mean i did not hear them no chance i was out like a light but oh no i had a dog that is triggered by this stuff so she's like sitting there shaking on the bed i'm like oh man i'm never gonna get any sleep (laughs) there was fireworks at american family field after the game some um, comments from the Cubs manager upset. He was thrown out of the game and something that he said that was really interesting. He was complaining about the roof closing. We'll ask Jeff Levering about a Brewers 360 is next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. The Brewers fall in extra innings to the Cubs on Tuesday afternoon for the July 4th festivities. Cubs win 7-6. Thanks to two double plays, one in the 10th inning and then another in the 11th inning. Uh, unfortunately, ending that game, a catch and a sack fly that didn't end up being a sack fly ends the game. Craig Council on uh, Ian Happ, the left fielder for the Cubs, throwing out his guy. He's got Everything's got to go right. He made a good play on the just the catch. It, bounced, it kicked up on him a little bit. He made a good play on the catch and um, made a heck of a throw. Same two teams at it again tonight. Adrian Hauser against Justin Steele at American Family Field. Brewers 360 sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited. Joining us every Wednesday is play-by-play man Jeff Levering. Hello, Levo. Hey, good morning. Hope you guys had a nice, happy 4th of July. Absolutely. Did the fireworks keep you up last night? No, not at all. I think it was uh, it was great. Maybe a little bit on the third, but not so much yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say I, I heard him a little bit uh, sporadically, but didn't really keep me up. Hey, wanted to play this for you. So, David Ross, the manager of the Cubs. Uh, was thrown out of the game, so was the uh, first base coach yesterday of the Cubs, for arguing balls and strikes. And after the game, he was ranting about the balls and strikes, and then all of a sudden he turned toward the roof being closed. I know it's not an easy job, but there's there's just there, there's some of the, the pitches that got called today just weren't even close. And so um, it's got to be better, you know. They're closing the roof to get rid of the shadows late. There's a lot of bullshit went on today that just was really frustrating. So he said something about closing the roof because of shadows, so they asked him about that. I don't thought it was horseshit. I don't know. <laughs> so, so what's he upset about? Is that is the roof being closed? Does that aid the hitter? Is that even a thing? Yeah, I, I mean, there's some really bad shadows, but, but even with the roof closed, you still had the shadows coming in from the panels in right field and can't do anything about that. I mean, they, they don't have blinds or anything for those 
things. Right. Um, you know, the, the, for the grounds crew, I think they were worried about a potential storm that was in the neighborhood. So they ended up trying to close the roof and ended up being only halfway closed. And I think they were just trying to get ahead of it so that they could close the roof quicker. I, I really don't know the science behind all that. Um, I know they used to used to play ball games before my tenure here where, where half the roof was open for half the ball game. Uh, hmm. just because the shadows were bad. So I think he was just really frustrated with the strike zone, and I, I totally understand that. Both sides were not very pleased with the strike zone yesterday and then just decided to take that opportunity to to share his opinions about the roof as well. But at least we have a roof. So right. <laughs> right. Boy, man, after Monday's game, I mean, that was one of the games of the year on Monday to come back from down six zip to win that game that way. And they almost did it again yesterday. I mean, the Cubs are on the ropes. You, you punch them out a couple of more times and their, their season is over. Yeah, no doubt. And I think the Brewers did that to them a couple of years ago too. Yep. And, and that's when they ended up selling all their players and trading Rizzo and Baez and Brian. I mean, that, that was the end of that era. And it was a, a series against the Brewers over Memorial Day that, that did that to them. Um, you know, they were probably going to do it anyway, but the Brewers hastened that process up. Yeah, it was a tough one yesterday, too, because it felt like you had that game in the in the balance. Um, you held them in the top of the 10th inning and had a chance to score and then some, some wacky base running and, and maybe a tough decision at third base in the 10th inning, sending that runner with one out, and he gets thrown out of home plate. Yeah. Um, and then just a, a tough play in the 11th where you, your runner's at third base and it's a shallow fly ball. You have to give it a shot to try and tie the game. Uh, but they came back again. I think that bodes well for the future for this team, too. Let's end on a good note, though. Jemai Jones, how about that? That three-ribby double on, on Monday. I mean, just it's cool to see a guy like that get back in the bigs and play that way. Yeah, and, and on the first swing, too. I mean, he comes up to the plate. Great council pushes every single button correctly on Monday. Sends up Jemai Jones, who just showed up. I, he barely even had an opportunity to put his cleats on. And boom, first pitch, three-run double tie ball game. Brewers win it uh, eight to six. Just a great moment for him. Um, and hopefully he sticks around for a little while, too. Jeff Levering of your Brewers 360. Jeff, thank you as always. Appreciate it. You got it. Take it easy, guys. Back at it again tonight, right here on WTMJ, the Brewers and the Cubs at American Family Field. 7.50, we'll check on the roads with Debbie Lasca here in one minute. Look out, Twitter. Here comes Threads. And apparently there are some other apps also honing in on Twitter this week. And Twitter didn't help itself with a pretty rocky weekend as well. Joining us now from ABC is their technology reporter, Mike Dabuski. Mike, Twitter uh, wrinkled some eyebrows this weekend. Yeah, that's right. So this really all started on Friday evening when Elon Musk, the owner of Twitter, announced that in order to look at anything on Twitter, in order to view tweets, you have to be signed up for Twitter. You need to have an account and be logged into that account. This created consternation in group chats across the country, I'm sure, where people would send tweets to their friends. And if you didn't have an account, then, well, you couldn't look at that funny tweet. So that was kind of the beginning of all of this. But it was Friday night and people were kind of like, oh, it's just Elon being Elon. Then on Saturday, Elon made this really big announcement saying that they're going to start imposing rate limits on the platform. And that means that they're limiting the amount of tweets that users of Twitter can see per day. And these numbers have somewhat shifted as the days have gone on. But initially, 
300 tweets per day for new users of Twitter, 600 tweets per day for just normal, unpaid, existing users of Twitter, and then 6,000 if you signed up for their $8 a month subscription service. Now, as I mentioned, those, those numbers have somewhat shifted. The best guess right now is that if you don't pay for Twitter, you can see 1,000 tweets per day, and if you do pay for Twitter, you can see 10,000. But regardless, it's kind of a strange move, because if you limit the amount of tweets that people can see, you also limit the amount of ads that you can see. And that's a major revenue stream for Twitter, raised some eyebrows in the advertising space here. But Elon Musk says this is an attempt to crack down on AI companies, of all things. He says that companies like OpenAI, Microsoft, Google, they use platforms like Twitter and the conversations that happen there to train their chatbots, ChatGPT, Bing, and Bard, and all these new fancy chatbots. They use the data from platforms like Twitter to make those language models sound more human. So Elon Musk saying at least that he wants to crack down on that, and that's why we're seeing these changes. Well, you know, Mike, it's not just Elon Musk and uh, him being able to, I guess, get out of his own way at times. There's also going to be a new app debut today or a new program, I guess, however you want to phrase it, from Meta. What do we know about the quote-unquote, and I'm quoting a headline here, the Twitter killer app? Right. So this is tomorrow, actually. Meta is going to show off a new app called Threads. This is a sort of standalone product from them. And it is pretty much a Twitter clone. This is not an unusual strategy from Meta. We've seen them copy popular features elsewhere in the social media world and incorporate them into their own products. Uh, for example, Snapchat stories became Instagram stories, and uh, you know TikTok was sort of repurposed and, and became Instagram Reels. Now we're seeing them take that same strategy and apply it to a Twitter product, a Twitter clone. Again, it's going to be called Threads. We're going to learn a little bit more about it tomorrow. Um, but other than that, that's pretty much all we know. We know it's going to run on a decentralized platform, which is kind of interesting, um, a decentralized protocol, I could say, which is uh, essentially a means by which to to interact with other social media platforms. So, you know, your followers on this can maybe show up on Mastodon or could maybe show up on a different social media platform. But again, that's a little technical. I'm, I'm curious to see how many users actually really care about that and how many just kind of download this to check out the fancy new thing. Um, they say it's going to launch initially on iOS, so for iPhone users, and then sometime later on for Android users. But so Mike, again, we're going to get some more details later on. I was hoping maybe, you know, as the, uh, the tech guru for ABC News that you get your hands on that a little bit early. You know, like. <laughs> well, so here's here's the thing that's working against me. I have an Android phone, ah, <laughs> so shoot. I could have. I I was trying to get on the wait list yesterday as I was just playing around with this. It's kind of like an interesting. They have a like a ticket that you can download on their yeah. website if you go to Instagram and you type in the word Threads, they give you a ticket. But I tried to get into it and it like I have Google Pixel and they were like, ah, coming soon. So there was not even a button <laughs> that I could click on. Um, but that's that might be just self inflicted damage for you know preferring yep. Android to Apple. Mike Davosky from ABC News, their tech reporter there. Thank you, Mike. Of course, guys. Take care.